Welcome to the Friday, September 28th, 2007 edition of The Relevant Podcast, your audio companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. I'm Cameron Strike, and here with me is the editorial crew, editorial director Kara Davis. Hello. Managing editor Adam Smith. Hi, everybody. And web content producer Jesse Carey. Yo, yo. This is a very cool podcast coming up. We actually have uh, two special guests. Number one, we have Atlantic recording artist Need to Breathe in the studio doing a live set. And then later in the podcast, we have an interview with the director of the American Mustache Institute. His name is Aaron Perlut. And let me just say beforehand, Need to Breathe was great. Great performance. But it was an honor to talk to Mr. Perlut from the Institute. He's a trailblazer. Yeah, really. This is an interesting podcast because it's the very last podcast in September. Right. The final one ever <laughs> for September. September. Yeah, which is notable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know when to bring it up, so I'll just go ahead and bring it up since you guys are being weird. Um, <laughs> um, uh, in the last two weeks that you guys have not gotten normal podcasts from us, a lot has happened, one of which is um, we found out Kara's leaving us. And today is her last podcast. I didn't want to say that at the beginning necessarily, so then it, it put a negative kind of thing Damper. over the whole, the whole podcast. I kind of want to leave them with a quick little right. negative note at the but, end, like a Band-Aid. Like, but this can be more like an Irish wake where it's more a celebration. Okay. You know? That's true. Hmm. We, we went in lighthearted, you know? <laughs> no, I want you guys to grieve. <laughs> I want tears. I've already spent so many that <laughs> my my tear ducts are empty. I want everyone right now to have a montage rolling through their head of great moments. Slow motion, yeah. laughing. Well, it's, it's probably going to be still photos for you because that's all you've ever seen of yeah. Kara. Most that's of true. you, so. Yeah. But real Just imagine different from picture to picture. Yeah, different still photos you've seen, which so, is maybe three. So more of a slideshow <laughs> with... Yeah. Yeah. with kind of gradations yeah kind, yeah kind of the same three photos cycling through like I, a couple staff photos and that poster photo yeah i picture a lot of like checkerboard fades you know what i'm saying like the slides like checkerboard into another there it is and they could do an, an audio over you know montage of all my offensive comments <laughs> oh man that would be awesome if anyone wants to make that with <laughs> the podcast don't. archives please please do well they'd need access to my uh too hot for TV archives that, that didn't make the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but, but there's the plenty vault. of stuff that did. That's true. <laughs> you know, but the really good stuff is on my hard drive. It's yeah. true. The blackmail stuff. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, if you want to go see a movie tonight, <laughs> <laughs> if you can bring yourself to even leave the house, <laughs> here's what's coming out. Uh, the game plan. <laughs> Uh, uh, which is the uh, the rock? The one. rock. Yeah, I smell Oscar with this one. <laughs> uh, the Kingdom with Jamie Fox and Jennifer Garner and too many celebrities for it to be taken Jason seriously. Bateman. Yeah, yeah. Like when you have 
in my opinion, when you have celebrities of that level in a in a kind of a entourage type. Yeah. Well, especially like when this, it's a big budget it's, movie. It's too many. Like I'm going, you're Jason Bateman and you're mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx, and I, yeah, and I don't the, and I don't believe the, that you're really that guy in Iraq. And, and the only exception is Ocean's Eleven because it revels in its celebrity. Like yeah. it's it's a every scene is kind of like the actors could look at the camera and wink, right. and you'd still be like, oh, this is a good movie, right? Anyway. The Darjeeling Limited from Wes Anderson, starring Owen Wilson and Jason Schwartzman and Adrian Brody, gotten a lot of mixed reviews. Yeah, I saw that. But then, you know, The Life Aquatic got a lot of mixed reviews, and I enjoyed The Life Aquatic. I mean, it's my least favorite Wes Anderson movie, but it's still, still a great movie. A bad Wes Anderson movie is still a good movie. Yeah. The, the thing that, that concerns me is that people who I respect, like uh, Whitney Matheson, Pop mm-hmm. Candy at USA Today, she said it feels like Wes Anderson has gotten trapped in his own style. Yeah, and the one thing I would say that does give me pause is as much as I could say uh, even a bad Wes Anderson movie is a good good movie, uh, Christopher Guest finally managed to make a bad movie. Which one? For your Thank cons- you for, for your consideration. Right, right, for your consideration. So, you know, apparently even the thought that a good director's bad movie is still better than most movies, not necessarily always true. Well, And, and the thing is, I think... Wes Anderson is a brilliant filmmaker, but I've I've come to realize maybe he's not the best writer. That his the movies that he's written he's written and directed all his movies, but a lot, co-written, yeah, Owen co-written, yeah, yeah. The first three, which I felt like are universally accepted as the strongest three, which is Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Royal Tenenbaums, are brilliantly written as well as the filmmaking is is amazing. Life Aquatic, I didn't feel like... I felt like from a filmmaking standpoint, it was it was awesome visually, really cool like track shots, the colors, and there's tons of symbolism within imagery. Um, but I didn't feel like the dialogue was as strong and the story was as tight as the other ones. And okay. I have a feeling it's going to be the same way with this one. I agree. All right. Um, music releases coming out on Tuesday. We've got Bruce Springsteen with Magic. Nice. PJ, Har- <laughs> PJ Harvey with White Chalk. Uh, Dashboard Confessional with The Shade of Poison Trees. I didn't know they were still around. Yeah, they put out an album, it seemed like, about six months ago. No, this is about a year. Maybe it's just time flies when you're listening to Dashboard. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think time stops. And you're crying and- your eyes out listening to Dashboard with that montage of still photos of Kara going through <laughs> Uh, Bethany Dillon with So Far Acoustic Sessions EP. Emery with I'm Only a Man, Tooth and Nail. Uh, Falling Up with Captiva. Plum with Blink. Chris Rice with Peace Like a River, Hymns. Phil Wickham, who was here a few weeks ago with Cannons, which he was promoting a yep. few weeks ago. And finally, Kevin Max with The Blood. Now, the Cannons, are those like... The kind that Pirate are cannons. okay, not the kind that are accepted as inspired literature yeah, or a, like a certain no or he, cameras. He, <laughs> he is. I, I have the album. He's on a pirate ship wearing a flowing Aww. pirate shirt, and it says cannons in a script font. Huh. Yeah, no, he actually did explain it. I think during his podcast, but I like to think that yeah, it is much more of a nautical theme. Uh, an old timey novel. Well, is thing. there is there one N? Uh, is it C A? Doesn't matter. N? It's two N's. Okay. <laughs> two N's. So it's, it's definitely it's, the kind that shoot. It's bang bang. Cannons. Yeah. Yes. Here's a clip of his title track.
That's a cannon. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like swashbuckling is going on in the background. I think that's the context, yes. Yeah. It's a concept album. It's a duet with Kira Knightley. <laughs> <laughs> this is another single. I think it's the second single coming up. It's uh, uh, pulling into port. It's a merry jig. <laughs> The, right. the thing that I like about the album is that he sings in that affected pirate growl the whole way through. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it for your entertainment releases. Up next, Slices. You're listening to Aesop Rock. The song is "None Shall Pass." We picked it because the, um, the 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 song name sounded biblical. Mm. "None Shall Pass," right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> even though that's probably more Monty Python. Yeah, I was going to say. Else. Yeah. Um, it's playing right now over at Relevant.tv. At the beginning of the podcast, you actually heard Danielson. The featured video this week, uh, Did I Step on Your Trumpet, one of my favorite videos we've ever run. It's amazing. I love Danielson. Yeah. And if you don't know who Danielson is, uh, Sufjan Stevens got his start as yeah, part of the Danielson Yeah, he's basically Sufjan Stevens' mentor. Yeah. yeah. He discovered. I, I, we actually did an interview with him. It was a while back, mm-hmm. I remember. Um, and did, did he badmouth that Sufjan guy? <laughs> yeah, no. He, he, I actually, I asked him about his relationship with Sufjan. He said they, he used to do all these kind of crazy little art house jam sessions. And he said this young guy came up to him and was like, "Hey, you know, I don't really perform music, but I got a, I had a whole shoebox full of tapes that I made under my bed. Maybe you could check them out sometime." And that guy was ended up being Sufjan Stevens. I I always wondered, you know, you, you hear about people going up to artists all the time, you know, and saying mm-hmm. like, "Hey, will you listen to my demo?" Uh, you never hear about somebody actually making the it because of it. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow, look at that. Now with slices for the last time, Kara Davis. Oh, the pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta go out on a high note. I have two slices because neither one of them is very good, but maybe together... (laughs) They'll make a slightly above average one. (laughs) Yes. Well, the first one's great just because of the headline. It's uh, on CNN.com. Bunny dumping mystery has animal lovers hopping. <laughs> and I know how we love our animal slices. Yeah. I wish that was it. I wish like you clicked on the story and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like either a Weekly World News headline or a New York Post. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad CNN.com. There's such there there can't be other significant things going on in right. the world that there's just some headline writer like aha. Is your <laughs> yeah. Weekly World News is going out of business. Yep. Yep. That's a shame. What will the Bat Boy I know. Do? Where will we get our Where? Bat Boy updates? Yeah. <laughs> well, the, there's probably more to that. Yeah. yeah, it's not very interesting. Someone is dumping dozens of rabbits uh, around Long, Long Island South Shore. I mean, and, are they... Uh, that's interesting. Are they still alive? Yeah, they're, they were like born in captivity. They're domestic rabbits. And the SPCA just guessed... It, is guessing it's probably a rabbit breeder he's getting out of the business. And, um, <laughs> but the wandering rabbits are in danger. Or seeking from- revenge on something. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, they're in danger. It seems like if you were getting out of the rabbit business, I personally, my frame of thought would be, I've got 
my meals covered for the next. Oh. No, I would years. think if you're gonna if you want to get out of the rabbit business, just get into the boa constrictor business. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're safe. There you go. Or, or like the luxury coat business, <laughs> <laughs> the pelt business. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just go. Yeah, just walk into a trading coat. post. Yeah. yeah, it could be a way smoother transition than this person is making it. Yeah, it doesn't have to make national yeah. headlines at CNN. <laughs> if he would just you know walk, like I said, walk into the trading post, you got a half dozen rabbit pelts. <laughs> You can get some pretty good stuff for that. The training post in Long Island. Yeah, you can get like a musket for that. (laughs) The SPCA is even offering a $5,000 reward if... To figure out who's responsible. Oh, so man. see, they're so even he's willing to trade trouble. stuff for. See, he's trying pelts. to get into the reward business, <laughs> and so he's worked out a yeah. deal with somebody. Yeah, if I, you know, if I knew who it was, I'd get the five thousand dollar reward and go buy a mink coat. <laughs> <laughs> I love how many wacky headlines there are lately. Like whether it's about like OJ Simpson, or it seems like there's just an influx of them. Well, lately. it's because you know internationally, there's not been a, a massive news story. Well, I, I mean, mean, the the war's still going on, but how many years has it been? Yeah. And and the elections hasn't totally ramped up yet. But even the international ones have taken um, a little wacky turn, like uh, Ahmadinejad's visit to the UN. It's all like these laughable situations where he gets in, where they, you know, the Columbia University invited him to come speak, and the president of the university in front of a lot of people just basically berates him for human rights violations and which, being a dictator. Which I'm sure he found hilarious. Yeah. And then Ahmadinejad goes up there and says that, I mean, it was almost, it was almost Borat-like, and I'm not trying to say, <laughs> but he goes up there and says, we don't have the phenomenon of homosexuals in Iran, yeah. you know? And, and like people are laughing in the yeah. audience. And, it was yeah. surreal. Yeah, it really was. It was almost, I almost pictured him like transfusing into Michael Scott for a second. Because <laughs> that, that's how it felt when I listened to it. I was so uncomfortable. And it's not like I sympathize with, you know, Mahmoud Ahmadinejad, but it... it uh, wow, have you been practicing that? Yes, I, you I, Nightly. I, what, what I do that's like what about does him... Tongue exercises before the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> brown cow now, brown cow now. Yeah. Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. <laughs> <laughs> What I do like about him is um, his commitment to a business casual <laughs> right, approach right. to the president. His members only right jacket. Yeah. And he's always got like the, the shirt with the top button unbuttoned. Yeah. He never wears a tie. And and he's got that beard going. Only jacket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the only like world dictator that wears that doesn't mind wearing a members only jacket. Yeah. Kim Jong-il dresses pretty weird. Right. The, but the North Korean dictator. I'm a Dina, I'm a, say it for me. I'm a Dimejad. Wow. He looks to me constantly like he's just gotten off work, <laughs> and he's he's kind of chillaxing, yeah. you know, like heading to the bar to tie a few on with some friends. Yeah, it's he, like, I may rule with an iron fist, but I'm really a pretty laid-back dude. Yeah. <laughs> he makes himself a target, because in all the photos, everybody's in dark colors, and he's got this bright jacket on. Like, oh, that would make it easy shot. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh. That's great. Not, not a target for criticism. Yeah. You're a literal target. target. If Jason Bourne was around, he'd be in trouble. Oh, man. He'd think twice about that members only check. <laughs> members only probably loves it, though. They're like, oh, man. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they love being, <laughs> being associated with a dictator. Well, he's a member. Considering most of them are probably made in his sweatshops. I mean, <laughs> oh, man. On uh, Fark, on Fark today, there's a, a a story that well the Fark headline is 
uh, Orlando cops to start carrying machine guns. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) And and, and I read the story, and it's the part of town where I was last night is now going to be patrolled by cops with machine guns. They make it sound like it's Baghdad or something. You know, like these cops, these heavily armed cops walk around with submachine guns. Like, like there's bad guys. Hey, listen, I just sitting at a red light last night. South OBT. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes sense. It does make sense. Hey, there you go. Yeah, if Here's you know anything about Orlando, I, I would want to submachine gun if I was patrolling <laughs> that area. Little known fact, I, I grew up in, on South OBT. That's where I lived until I was six. Oh, yeah? Yep. We, uh, Is that where you got your, your hard edge? <laughs> and all those prison <laughs> tattoos? My dad, my dad was working multiple jobs, and my mom stayed home with me, and that's where we lived. And I remember, I remember as a five-year-old identifying a prostitute on the corner, going, "Oh, that that like that's what? a hooker, like that's what I've heard of." Huh. Yeah, because I hear my parents talking about it, and then I put two and two together and figured out my, what a hooker was. Um, wow. And it was just a block from where we lived. Wow, grow up fast. <laughs> and that's South OBT. If you guys remember, um, I live sort of near North OBT, yes, and that's where the guy was attacking the other guy with a tire iron. So tire that's iron. North OBT. So <laughs> that's yeah. if that gives you yeah. any idea. Central OBT is great. It's, it's a, Golf courses. It's a veritable utopia. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear it's actually the most expensive property in the world. In the world. Central yeah. OBT. Yeah. Tiger Woods has a house there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> has several of them. They actually straddle the highway. You drive right through Tiger Woods' house yeah. on Central so OBT. how come they say it's the world's largest McDonald's here on iDrive? There's so many. I, I've had this conversation. It's small. I know of three of them. No, the one on iDrive says the world's largest play place. Oh. And it and that probably is true because it's a multi-story extravaganza of the senses. Yes, it still seems misleading. But in okay. Oklahoma, I, I actually had this conversation with them because in Oklahoma they claim to have the world's right. largest. And then I've been the one in Moscow which says it's the world's largest. And I asked them about that. And they're very defensive. Right. I think it's different criteria. I think the one in Oklahoma is the largest uh, like volume of building, but maybe the actual like square McDonald's footage. square footage is yeah. not the largest. But it's a building that straddles a massive interstate, and ha- it, it's huge, yeah. but it's not all McDonald's. Well, the Moscow one, uh, they're they're measuring in metric as well, which <laughs> might throw stuff off. Now, the one I... Okay, having been to all three of these... I, I can say that being inside the McDonald's, the restaurant itself, the, the the Moscow one, by my observation, was by far the largest. And by my own observation, that the play place on International Drive in Orlando is by far the largest. And that the building yeah. mass of the one in Oklahoma was definitely very I, large. I just don't like the fact that they get to have their cake and eat it, too. <laughs> I'm you guessing know? that there's no play place in the Moscow one. There's only toil and... Uh and bitter they tears. Little, they have a little sweatshop in the back for the kids. <laughs> um, so, speaking of, of kids taking on adult roles, sure, why not? Um, <laughs> the, uh, the lead to this story says, what would you do if you saw an elderly man being robbed and assaulted? Well, generally, since laugh I... Laugh and laugh and laugh. Well, since I prey on the elderly, I would say I would continue to rob and assault him. Yeah, that's correct. Um, <laughs> But evidently, there's a youth football team in Fremont, California, that had a bit different approach. This youth football team, which ironically enough is the Patriots, they were working out Thursday afternoon, and they see these two incorrigible teenagers knock down a 71-year-old man run off with his camera. And so the football team chased them down and cornered them in a house 
until the police could come and take care of him. <laughs> so, it, it, and this it's actually the big screen adaptation is already in production with The Rock is as the coach of the mm-hmm. Little Leaguers. So, yeah, no, it's a, it's a heartwarming story. It, it had a tragic end because the two people had machine guns and That's, the cops did not because right. it wasn't in, in Orlando. Which is why we're arming our police with submachine guns yeah. and peewee but, football teams. But I just think it's funny. <laughs> Wait, that we're arming the police with peewee football teams or we're arming the peewee football teams with machine guns. The police with peewee football. <laughs> yeah, okay. Teams. <laughs> they just walk They've turned out to be it. the most effective crime deterrent. <laughs> I just find it very ironic that a, uh, a team called the Patriots is stopping theft from happening. <laughs> Bill Bella cheat. There, I said it. <laughs> I can hear the, everybody in the Northeast just hitting stop right oh, now. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. Whatever. It's true. And, and Whatever Patriots fans. I, I can hear them in mass. Whatever <laughs> Patriots fans. Yeah, just own bad. it. Just own it. Yeah. You know, if you want to be proud of it, be proud of it. Yeah. But don't well, don't try and justify it. Well, I, I have two here. One is a little bit more um, serious, but why not go with the funny one since we're on a funny roll here? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, police in uh, the Northeast have, they say they've intercepted and arrested, it's 10 people in a smuggling ring. They collected a half million dollars in cash as evidence. And what were they smuggling? Soda beverage cans to get 10 cents a piece in Michigan. Wow. Apparently. <laughs> that's illegal. It's a Seinfeld episode. Exactly. That's what they're, they're calling it the Are, Seinfeld scam. Were they no using way. postage trucks? Uh, I, they just had a standard truck, oh. and I didn't even realize this was illegal. That oh, I'm going to recycle in Michigan. Why is know? that illegal? Well, you can't I, cross state lines with cans. Well, it's on charges uh, up to ranging from false pretense, fraud, and running a criminal enterprise that has a possible 20 year sentence. Whoa! I don't, I don't understand this. So I can't take a can across state lines. Well, let me tell you what a... Uh, you can't take advantage of the good people of Michigan. Yeah, That's me, the real crime here. Let me tell you what a, uh, <laughs> one of the state troopers said. A half million dollars in cash is not Seinfeld humor, Adam. Ooh. Ooh. Hello. Ooh. So if any of you guys are thinking about, hey, I would like to help out the environment by doing a little recycling, and why not get, my, why not get the most bang for my buck and head up to Michigan? Think again. Yeah, whatever you do, don't carry a half million dollars in cash with you. Yeah, I... I, who would have even thought that something like that was illegal, you know? But apparently, they don't mess around with the uh, recycling business. <laughs> and on a on a little bit um, more spiritual note, this is a, this is a pretty cool story. World Vision, which is a a big Christian humanitarian uh, group, as well as Outreach, which sells different resources to equip churches, and Zondervan have all teamed up. Um, for uh, something they called Faith in Action, which churches across the country can sort of subscribe to. And they get a couple sermon resources that go on for about three weeks and prepare the congregation to take the fourth Sunday of the month off and don't go to church and actually go into the community to do community service projects. Hmm, so it's cool. kind of an outward thing that a lot of churches around the country are subscribing to. Um, but it's a pretty cool idea. And they say that a lot of churches are really open to it because it kind of reflects um, what the church is all about, um, which is obviously serving God and serving others. So it, it's a cool idea. And it's picking apparently it's picking up a lot of steam um, with different churches around the country. That's cool. All right, well, that'll do it for Slices. Up next, Need to Breathe.
You're listening to Calvin Harris. The song is called Acceptable in the 80s. Many, many things were acceptable in the 80s. It's playing right now over relevant.tv. It's actually a very, very cool video. Well, you know, Need to Breathe came through, uh, I don't know, man, it's probably over a year ago, year and a half ago, maybe. They were one of the first bands to come through um, ever on the podcast. I think they were maybe second or third. And uh, we loved them then. They're on the uh, Live from the Relevant Podcast CD, which you can actually get right now if you go over to relevantmagazine.com and subscribe to the magazine. Plug. And they are on tour right now. Uh, they just released a brand new album called The Heat. You can find out more about them and check out their music at needtobreathe.net. Without any further ado, here is Atlantic Records recording artists, Need to Breathe. Hey everybody, we're the band Need to Breathe, and uh, we're going to play a song off our new record. Uh, uh, the record's called The Heat, and the song is a song that we uh, wrote about my dad. It's uh, called Washed by the Water. Even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising And even when the storm comes I am washed by the water One, two, three She was his wife Just trying to make the world a little better You know, shine a light But people started talking Just to hear our own voice Those people try to accuse my father Say he made the wrong choice Though it might be painful know the time I'll always stand Those people have lost his count My father never fell Cause even when the rain falls Even when the flood starts rising Cause even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Cause even when the rain falls even when the flood starts rising, cause even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Cause even when the earth crumbles under my feet, even when the ones I love turn around and crucify me, I won't ever, ever let you down. I won't fall, I won't fall, I won't fall as long as you're around me. Cause even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, cause even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Cause even when the rain falls, even when the flood starts rising, even when the storm comes, I am washed by the water. Cause even when the rain falls, even when the flood stops. 
the rising Cause even when the storm comes I am washed by the water Cause even when the rain falls Even when the flood stops the rising Cause even when the storm comes I am washed by the water everyone uh this is the band need to breathe uh and this is the song more time off our record the heat and uh it's a song my brother Bo uh wrote What's in 
Well, here with us today is Need to Breathe from South Carolina. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Very well. And now you guys are on the road promoting a brand new album, uh, The Heat. When did the tour first kick off? Yesterday, actually. Yeah, we've been we've been off for the first time. I say we've been off. We've been playing kind of spot dates over the summer. Uh, for the it's been off the for the first time since we got signed. So like two and a half years ago. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, it was the first time we've been home for more than a week at a time in two and a half years. So uh, it was really weird, and we and, got to go. And now that's all over. Yeah, <laughs> summer vacation. Though. Yeah, yeah. So uh, last night we we uh, played our first um, headlining show in a while. Oh, cool! And uh, it was a lot of fun. We played a bunch of new we songs. We totally bombed. Yeah. <laughs> No, it was it was a lot of fun. We saw, you know, obviously a lot of fans we haven't seen in a long time. Haven't played the South in a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, it was really cool. You know, and uh, my my voice is all scruffy, scruffy this morning. We we pulled in the hotel at six a.m. It was like old times. Yeah. And uh, we're excited, definitely. How how did the fans react so far to the to some of? The, I know they the album's been out for a couple of weeks, but it's right. the first time you played them live. We're we're at, we're really uh, thrilled about the reaction so far to the record. I mean, this is our first second record ever. Uh, it's our first uh, first follow up ever. You know, it's I our mean, first second record ever. It's well, it's our first new record. You know, it's our first. I don't know. It's the first experience for us. A lot, a lot of things, and I think it's, it's our first like playing live shows with a lot of material to play and pick from. And we just don't. We don't even know where to start. You know, it's just a, first there's like twenty five or twenty six songs on record to pick from to play in a show, and we never had that opportunity before and um so we're really excited i think what we're i think most proud of is something that you know when we went in to make the record we had all these i think we were throwing around all these adjectives and ideas that we really wanted to i guess put into the record that we wanted people to say about the new record you know what i mean like yeah. uh, things things for us like we just we wanted to be more soulful and we wanted to be more honest and we want you know this this this, this. and we made a long list of things that this record had to be you know and uh and we spent a lot of sleepless nights trying to make sure that it was that and yeah and that's that's the, we're most proud of the fact that that really a lot of the response if not all the response has been you know mostly those adjectives so i think it's been received the way that we intended you were saying we we're talking earlier and you're talking about how with this record you guys had a little bit more creative control um what what direction did you want to go kind of yeah i know you're saying more soulful but for you guys what does that look like coming off of the first album i think um you know obviously us being from the south it's kind of it's us embracing um a lot of things uh i think the textures of the music is for one thing um you know we always live we had played harmonicas and slide guitars and you know had that kind of gospel choir idea sort of Mm -hmm. thing and and uh we had never we just on the first record that just didn't make the record and on this record we we embraced that we used this guy rick beato producer did um jump little children one of our favorite bands from south carolina and uh, we just did it because he had always made great records with them and and uh and i thought he did a really good job with ours and so you know we put pump organs on this record uh from the 1800s we put a horn section from chicago there's just it's just really random we co-produced the whole record so i think i think as far as the soulful we just put a lot of us into the record and mm-hmm. on the first time i think we just weren't sure about what we were getting into and i yeah. think this time we were just a lot more confident and we we took forever on it and uh really uh came up with something that we could really be proud of and then i think the soulful thing honesty really makes that easier you know the if if the you know i'm the singer if i'm singing about something i really feel strongly about obviously it makes it a lot easier for me to be uh passionate about it and uh this the lyrics on this record are, are much more like that more close to home mm-hmm. um on the first record they were kind of a little more spacious a little more like mil- meant to build up build up the music you know to kind of create a picture for the listener i think and this time i think you could pull the lyrics out and they mean something on their own and uh so i think that was definitely intentional and and uh, something that's been great live i can tell 
I can tell the fans or tell the people in the, in the audience, you know, what the song's about and have them go through that experience with me right there, you know. And uh, that's, that's, you know, very useful, and it's been really cool to connect with the fans in that way. And if people want to catch you guys on tour, it's needtobreathe.com is the website. It's .net. .net. Yep, .net, and obviously MySpace. Well, cool. Well, the album is called The Heat. And it's in stores now, right? Yeah. 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 So, so well, thanks again, guys, for coming yeah, by. Thanks, appreciate thank it. you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Listening to Emily Haynes, who we have featured in Relevant Magazine. Uh, the song is Our Hell. Nice, uplifting little tune. Uh, it's playing right now over at relevant.tv. I got to tell you, it's probably one of the most surreal videos I've ever seen. I, I honestly don't even know how they did it. It's so surreal. Watch it, and if you can figure it out, email us and let me know. Well, as many of you know, we recently kicked off the Relevant Gentleman Society. It was born here right on this very podcast and is starting to get quite a bit of traction. Uh, RelevantGentlemanSociety.com um, is up and running and getting noticed. And one of the people who noticed it was the executive director of the American Mustache Institute. And uh, we were very honored when he contacted us and uh, complimented us in our efforts. And, and folks, I know, I know, you know, especially for our female listeners, this has been a lot of mustache talk lately. But, you know, we get in little phases and you just can't do anything about it until we get out of the phase. So, um, you know, indulge us for these few weeks. That's all I ask. We said, we've got to talk to, to this guy. He's the executive director of the American Mustache Institute. Uh, Jesse and Adam, I uh, gave him a call uh, earlier today. Here is their interview with Aaron Perlett. All right, well, here with us on the phone is Aaron Perlett, the executive director of the American Mustache Institute. And we're really excited to talk to Aaron, and we're especially excited that he checked out the Relevant Gentleman Society website and yeah. actually left a comment. It's and Considering it's a work in progress, it feels as though we've been lent some legitimacy by your visit. It's a very solid work in progress. I'll well, give you that. It's, I mean, it's a great site. Thank you. Uh, we appreciate it. Um, well, first off, why did the, the AMI get started? Well, you know, we, we thought there was... We think there is a, a fundamental problem in American culture, and that is at the end of the 1970s and early 1980s, all of a sudden it seemed that mustached Americans were wiped off the map. Hmm. Uh, and whether that's because we live in a very celebrity-driven culture and fewer celebrities than ever were wearing mustaches beginning in the early 1980s, or uh, whether it's just it went out of fashion because we're very fickle, uh, regardless, I mean, over the last 25, 30 years, the only place you've seen the mustache consistent, consistently represented it is in milk mustache commercials. Mm-hmm. When that's the case, there's a problem. It seems to me that the mustache was once uh, a, symbol, a symbol of gentlemanly sophistication. And, uh, you know, when you would think of mustache, you would think of cigars and brandy uh, and perhaps foreign holdings and Siam or something. And... Uh, <laughs> Now it seems to conjure up things like, you know, feathered hair and muscle shirts and <laughs> Zubaz pants. And yeah, it's, how- gone through, it's gone through a very interesting transition because it was actually a sign of, um, of military leadership 
a very long time ago. And then I think the period which you refer to is really, you know, in the early 1900s till about World War II. And then after World War II, all of a sudden it was a very clean-shaven uh you know, clean-shaven, short-haired, and the mustache really didn't see a rebirth until about 1970, when if you had a perm, a mustache, and a turtleneck, you were ready to roll. <laughs> and throughout the entire 1970s and into the early 1980s, I mean, it was um, it really at the peak of fashion, and it was hard to find a male broadcast news anchor who didn't have a mustache. Hey, well, it's or, authority. Yeah, I mean, it means power. It means uh, it means confidence, especially today. When you see a guy sporting a stash today, you know he's confident. Now, how did the mustache become so maligned? There was, at the end of the 70s, there was a very concerted effort to get away from the entire disco era. And I think that probably had something to do with it because, you know, the mustache was very much associated with the disco era in the 1970s. And you know the 1970s, you had a, in the 1980s, you had a, an entirely new uh, you know, set of fashion rules, and um, thank goodness those fashion rules went away uh, about the time the Seattle grunge music came on the scene. But um, but really, this the whole 1970s deal. The mustache seemed to be associated with that, and as people tried to get away from it, it just seemed to kill the mustache, and it became uncool. If you had to single out maybe one or two celebrities that you feel are responsible for the downfall who, who would they be well you know it didn't hurt it, it didn't help things when tom Selleck, uh you know developed some cowardice and shaved hmm. his mustache yeah. Yeah. three man and the baby yeah that 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 did not help because he was one of the lone soldiers left uh you know i think burt reynolds the uh the the shine on his star really started to um to go out towards the end of the 1970s and early 1980s um, and then Walter Cronkite left the broadcast airways in 84, and he was the last national news anchor who was actually brave enough to wear a mustache on air. So I think it's more what what left as opposed to who was responsible for it. Well, what's your strategy at the uh, American Mustache Institute to bring it back into American prominence? Well, you know, I, I think what it's going to take is a groundswell of organizations like the Relevant Gentlemen Society, Good. the American Mustache Institute, and there's an organization called Movember, that's an Australian <laughs> group that's bringing their campaign to the United States. In this groundswell movement of you know grassroots efforts to say, hey, the mustache is cool. It's you know it's a great part of fashion. It's a great way to kind of demonstrate your sense of style. And and you also mentioned a celebrity. We are sadly a very celebrity driven culture and you know if someone like a brad pitt mm-hmm. were to start sporting a stash i guarantee you the next day there would be thousands and thousands of young guys wearing them because women would be in favor of them, and all of a sudden it's go stash go oh yeah <laughs> and and i you know i saw some pictures of sean penn recently that i was encouraged by i don't know if you i he was promoting into the wild stash from time to time yeah yeah and i mean if spicoli can do it then you know i mean he's a man's man <laughs> You know? Well, you know, you give me a set of a set of tools, and I can fix it. <laughs> <laughs> now, are are there mustache styles that you would stay away from that the that are, I would guess are non AMI approved? Well, no, I mean we we believe that any mustache is a good mustache. We're a non discriminatory organization to the point that it comes to chin coverage because we don't believe in chin coverage, but. Um, you know, any mustache is good. Good mustache because it represents the effort, and that's what it's all about. It's about the effort because not everybody has the ability to grow a thick, full mustache. But I mean, there's there's obviously some ones that are a little more popular than others. Uh, I personally wear one called the horseshoe, 
which is very similar to a Fu Manchu, but it stops just short of the base of the chin. It's the, the Morgan um, Spurlock. Yes, exactly. Okay. There's a... Uh, the Chevron is probably the one you see most commonly, and it's also known as the office model, which is your basic mustache that just kind of extends to the outer end, the outer corners of your mouth. Um, but, you know, the Fu Manchu is a great mustache. Raleigh Fingers has always oh, proudly man. sported the handlebar mustache, and who doesn't love Raleigh's yeah. mustache? Yeah, well, and it's just that is one of the best parts about the mustache is you can change it up, um, and it's just a form of great expression. Now, one of my favorite styles, personally, and I don't know the the official nomenclature for this, but I call it the Colonel Mustard, where uh, you just shave the chin and you have the the big beefy chops going into the mustache. Is yeah, that yeah. is that getting too close to a beard? Oh, you know, I that we call that the General Lee. Some people okay. call it the Imperial Mustache. I think it's a great stash. In fact, there's some guys from the U.S. Beard and Mustache Championship team uh, the, that have, that I've seen wearing that. The Imperial is quite a mustache because you know that guy has, looks at himself in the mirror every day, and what does he see looking back? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, he thinks to himself. I look good. <laughs> that's yeah, right. Absolutely. And that's what, that's what to me, personally, that's what having a mustache is all about, is when I see that reflection. You know, I, don't, you know, I like to see the expression in other people's face when they see me, but when I look in the mirror, it's like, that's what it's about right there. You know? It's confidence. That and wearing a t-shirt that says, guns don't kill people, people with mustaches kill people. <laughs> <laughs> Which you can purchase on our website. Yeah, speaking of that, <laughs> yes. I want to plug your website real quick. It's AmericanMustacheInstitute.com. Dot .org, actually. We are a uh, nonprofit organization. Uh, we're going to have opportunities to actually sign up for membership and also lead local chapters. That's what oh, we wow. like to wow. do is spawn local chapters throughout the U.S. We've had a tremendous number of requests. Um, we're going to have mustache games. You can actually stash a picture and, and email it to somebody. Um, <laughs> and, and we're going to have a great monthly interview feature with celebrities uh, about their mustaches and just pop culture in general. Now, where are you guys headquartered? We were headquartered in St. Louis because uh, I actually used to live in Florida, um, not far from you, and um, I was drawn here by the world's largest mustache, the St. Louis Arch. That's fantastic. And and we knew that uh, our organization had to be within close proximity of that, and we overlooked it. That's amazing, because it it seems like, you know, when you have that there, it's almost like this this Stone Age icon, you know, of uh, Mm -hmm. virility. Just standing up against the skyline, proclaiming, you know, mustache is man. You know, yeah, it calls to you. It says, it, "You're right. I am man." Yeah, yeah, and it's it's straddling, you know, the east and the west, kind of the being the gateway. I think showing the symbol of the mustache's dominance over the whole of our country. I, you know, I could agree with you more, and that's why you know, we have a stash bash every year, um, and this is where we have it in St. Louis because it's the center of the country and where people from all around can come to it and celebrate the mustache in the shadow of the uh, world's largest mustache. Well, Aaron, we, we appreciate so much the the time. Um, again, once again, it's AmericanMustacheInstitute.org. Um, we're happy to kind of um, be able to connect with your community with the Relevant Gentlemen Society. So thanks for the time. Everyone go check out the website. Aaron, it's been an honor. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it, guys. I'm not sorry if I can fake it. songs when I'm sad The inside's not all I have Since you put a spell on me There's no escape when you put a spell on me I can't Listening to Ed Harcourt I like him a lot 
The song is You Put a Spell on Me. It's playing right now over at Relevant.tv. Okay, in relevant updates, we don't have any feedback this week, but there, we do have a few updates. Number one, we've got some of the crew will be up at the Catalyst Conference in Atlanta later this week when you get this. Yeah. Um, number two, did, did you all see the Office premiere last night? Mm-hmm. I did. I thought, it was, I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had, I, and I, I talked to Kara about this this morning. I know what people are going to say, but I did have my, I don't want to say complaints, but I had constructive criticism if, you know, one of the writers happened to be listening. In that, I felt like it was a great season premiere, and I'm excited because it was a little bit more random than usual, which I enjoyed. But I felt like there was too much Jim and Pam cutesy stuff. And I know that gets a lot of viewers, but there was hardly any Andy, and every scene he was in was pure gold. <laughs> the bloody shirt. But it shirt. left you wanting more. <laughs> it, well, it, yeah, exactly. But it's like, they, man, I wish I didn't. I wish it wasn't. But maybe Jim and it's Pam only more powerful hands. because it's limited. Yeah, because you want more. Well, and too, they shift focus. They 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 kind of go around. And, you know? and I felt like there's too much focus on Jim and Pam. But they but that is what people needed to have closure to the yeah. cliffhanger last Jesse, year. I needed it. And, and they'll move I did on. too. And they'll move yeah. on. That's what I'm uh, saying. I hope that they move on. They will move oh, on. Yeah, it's it, they've got a whole season ahead. Because of if I want to watch a romantic drama. Then I, I've I, got plenty. Of I options. think it's a little <laughs> premature to start to start judging it. Yeah. Well, and two, you never know. They may be building it up to where it does get sickening, so then it falls apart or something. You know. I mean, the guys have an, a season in mind. Yeah. It, it, I I just don't want to see that. Be like, oh no, yeah. am what? I going to have to sit through? Half hour Grey's Anatomy every night. I, you know? I hope that Andy's bleeding <laughs> nipples become a uh, become a major plot See, point. I laughed. I laughed very hard with the Jim yeah. and Pam stuff. I was like, okay, I'm not laughing. But it wasn't meant for laughs. <laughs> I know that's the thing. If I'm going to watch a comedy, spots I, on Andy's shirts was meant for laughs. <laughs> Bingo, and it worked. It got me. Michael, I rewound the, it. Yeah, I, so there was parts where I rewound. I was like that, where Michael's sitting there and he's like. I'm going to finish this GD 5K. <laughs> like, I appreciated the restraint there, you know? I kept rewinding the um, the staff meeting where he said Satan, but it wasn't attached to any sentence. Do you remember that? It was right before he asked people what their religious affiliation oh, was. Oh, Toby. Toby was uh, Satan. Oh, he was lies. calling yeah. Toby Satan. Toby's Toby got tubby. Yeah. yeah. But he still won that race. Yeah, he did. <laughs> that fictional race. Um, <laughs> you think it'd be in their contract that, that the physical size that they ended last season at, they had to start the next season at. Unless it was a part of the storyline, like with um, Jim's old fiance. Like at the beginning of the last season, he had done like a 180 and he had lost weight and he looked completely different than he did at the end of the last season. But it was a part of the storyline. Pam's fi- old fiance? Yeah. 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 Roy, Roy. With a beard yeah, yeah. And, and they had that awful picture of him after yeah. the DUI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But I felt like the Dwight was funny where he said that he, he euthanized <laughs> the cat, the cat in the freezer. And, and he's like, no, I gave it a bunch of drugs. And she goes, well, he barfed it up and then tried to scrape out of the freezer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There were claw marks through my bags of frozen french fries. <laughs> uh, okay, um, so that's... Okay, so Catalyst, The Office, the uh, Relevant Gentleman Society website is getting some good traction. If you haven't checked it out, I was looking at the, uh, the traffic and it was at a certain level prior to the podcast last week and a much, much higher level after the podcast. So apparently people are heading over there. But we're giving daily updates. We're giving... I won't say daily updates, but we're putting blogs there. There's forums. People are posting. Other gentlemen who have uh, caught the vision. Um, if you're interested, I'm just going to name a couple things. Uh, competitive Equestrian, 
old timey prize fighting, yeah, Freemasonry topics to discuss <laughs> on the forums. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just tossing some out there. Just you to kind of Masonry or Freemasonry. Freemasonry. Oh, okay. You know, it's because the little hats. Yeah, and it's a fraternal order. So right. it's, it's very gentlemanly. Um, I'm just trying to. Now you're talking here. about about bare knuckled fisticuffsmanship. As far like, as the competitive prize old, fighting, old timey pugilism, yeah. <laughs> whatever they want to talk about. I'm yeah. just, I'm just saying that there's lots to discuss in the world of gentlemen. Yes, so high finance, no- <laughs> <laughs> offshore bank accounts. That's for some of the sleazier yeah. members, but any any mustache side is going to draw those. The development of the flying contraption, any sort of recycling scams, crossing state lines. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, relevantgentlemensociety.com, gentlemanssociety.com. And uh, I g- and the new issue uh, just went to the printer. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks as it gets closer to uh, mailing to you guys. But we've had a few late nights, but mm-hmm. we got out uh, one of our favorite issues yet. So just kind of not not necessarily because of the big name on the cover, just as a whole. Yeah. Although although Bono is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sonny Bono. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's Sonny Bono on the cover just because the mustache, the yeah. institute. We, we it went, made sense. It did. It, it, that night, it made sense. We're, we're deeply regretting it right now. Yeah, but, but we <laughs> can't change it at this point. It's printed. Yeah. So. We've already got a, a whole yeah. shipment. So sorry. That you'll probably never see. Well, before we close things out, you know, uh, we're, we're torn here because we don't want Though though we are sad, we don't want to make it a sad occasion. Right. I guess a good way to close out the Kara era. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> Thank Kara you for era. that. I, that was running through my... I was like, how am I going to work in Kara era? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, you know, which is almost six years in the making, even though it's only been, what, two on the podcast, a year and a half on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Kara came in when we were a website, not even... Kara came in to launch, help us launch the website. Kara came in when we first started publishing books in late 2001 and then launched the website, did Jesse's job, and did Adam's job, and then did basically everything we've ever done. She's have gone through her fingers. She so actually built the first office. <laughs> I have scars it. on yeah. my hands to prove it. <laughs> Fashioned it from... Well, Palm branches. <laughs> Solid block of tree. Yeah. <laughs> From one piece of wood. Do you guys have any favorite care memories? Some well, I mean, will, I think the things that, that will echo in our halls are your laugh, first mm-hmm, of yeah. all. Yeah. Every person, like, my fa- one of my favorite things every year is when a new person is at their desk working away, it's their first or second day on the job, and they hear your laugh for the first time. And they jump. <laughs> the look on their face is... How am I supposed to react to this? Yeah. I would say the first few weeks, I would jump sometimes. Yeah. Especially when you, you and Tia would both laugh at the same time. Oh, no. I would kind of jump. I, I remember my first interaction with Kara was actually, I was applying for an internship here. And um, Kara called, and I remember I was incredibly nervous. And even though you were really nice on the phone, I was very intimidated. Oh. So Thank and that lasted, for, that lasted for about well up to about a month ago. I was, just, <laughs> yeah, she intimidated. She'd been gone on maternity leave for about a month, and you finally got over your yeah. intimidation. And then, then I, I, the last couple of days have been very intimidating. <laughs> wow! I relive that phone call literally every day of work. So. <laughs> wow! But it's been good. <laughs> Keeps me in my place. That was weird. Do you have any last requests, Kara, before before you fade off into the sunset? Hmm. Well, actually, I have a 
a request slash suggestion. You know, I always brought the estrogen to the podcast. In um, a bottle. Yeah, yes. you'd always bring it. <laughs> and make you all drink it. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> That's disturbing. Um, maybe there's some sort of like estrogen segment you could have in the podcast every week. <laughs> Something just for the ladies. Because, you, you know, you're dwelling on the gentleman's society, which, you know, is all well and good, but... You gotta yeah. have something for the ladies. We got an email from from or a message board post from one of the female listeners saying, "Okay, yeah, I like the mustache thing, but I need something for me." Yeah, and yeah. I feel like we have we needs could, too. We could lead into it with some kind of soft Barry White music. <laughs> yes. Like, oh yeah, this <laughs> one is ladies. just for the ladies. <laughs> to all my fine fine ladies. Oh yeah. They'll love it. So no, that's I'm that's sure. your only request is yeah no specifics I'm gonna leave it leave it open to interpretation. I'm sure we can just a splash of estrogen every now and then. <laughs> this is how we'll lead in. We'll do that background music, but we'll record our own voiceover. I know you're tired of hearing about mustaches. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> it's time for a little splash of estrogen. <laughs> It's not a cologne. And if if I could have a second request, it would be that any time my name is mentioned on the podcast in the future, there would be Michael McDonald playing in the background. (laughs) Done. What's your favorite Michael McDonald song? Oh, Um, hard. All of them? Yeah, the (laughs) the entire catalog. How much time do we um, have? That's the question. (laughs) We should we should do this one. Since I lost my baby. Not that you're our baby. That's, that's a good one. Oh, no, this one. What about this one? Re- reflections. <laughs> I see reflections of you and me. Because you've, you've left your I, mark on us. I really want to He has with... a lot of like goodbye type songs. Yeah. I feel like my favorite is What a Fool Believes, but it's not really applicable to the situation. It's just a great song. I like reflections because she's left a reflection on us. It's true. There you go. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week's edition of the podcast. A an era comes to an end. Many thanks to Need to Breathe for coming through. Many thanks to Aaron Perlut for his fine work over at the American Mustache Institute. He's keeping it real over there. He is indeed. And many thanks to Kara for six years of amazing co-laboring. Thank you. <laughs> well, on that note, I'm Cameron Strang. I am, and will remain, Kara Davis. I am sad. I am very, very sad. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next week. I know you're tired of hearing about mustaches. Oh, yeah. It doesn't seem to.